You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, if you've been around me at all for a while, you know I have a heart for homeschooling. And I've been homeschooling since 1994, which makes me sound really, really old. My oldest son is 31 now. And right from the beginning, I was looking to people for advice and encouragement, even from afar, this homeschooling mom with these little kids at home. And today's guest is one of those people that I found encouragement in the in the ages where we were just barely starting to get online, I found encouragement. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest. Diana Waring is one of the pioneers of homeschooling. For nearly three decades, she has been an author and a speaker to the international homeschool movement. In addition to writing and speaking, Diana is also a teacher, a video blogger, a blogger, and occasional columnist for the Homeschool Minute, a composer, a wife, and a homeschooling mom. She's happily married to her best friend from university days, and she continues to expand her accomplishment, including research and writing and recording an American history curriculum. So welcome, Diana. Thank you, Trisha. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I just love how God makes these connections because I remember as this young, young homeschool mom with a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old going, what do I do? And I found (laughs) some of your resources even back then and finding so much encouragement. And now all these years later, God is just connecting our hearts again. And I just love that, you know, he used you in just that beginning homeschool mom story that I have. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, isn't it interesting? I was actually thinking about that idea of connections, Mm -hmm. you know, that the Lord doesn't waste anything. And in the story that we're going to talk about today, um, I'm so aware of the connections that God has woven into my life, including you. But how fun to hear that God had woven me into your life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's just like him. Yeah. And I'm still homeschooling. My my oldest is 31. I have four out of the house and six still in the house. My youngest is nine. So I've been doing this a long time. Wow. Um, It's so cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. I just, can I just say, Trisha, well done. Well done. It it takes a lot of courage and fortitude and just grit (laughs) to keep going year after year after year. But you do it because you love your kids Mm -hmm. and you love what you see taking place in their lives. So I just want to say well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it is it's such a daily thing. It is such a daily thing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It it can sound noble, but the reality is it's every day. It's every minute. You know, it's like, okay, make this choice again. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. 
love it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you emailed me, I was it a couple of weeks ago now, and I would yeah. just love you to share the story that has unfolded. Cause as soon as you started um, talking about, I'm like, okay, we need to talk about this on my podcast. Cause I just love again, how God brings these connections and then does so much more than we ever anticipate. So just share a little bit yes. about what you shared with me. Well, I, you know, I want to just set it up by saying it was, it was a few weeks ago, my husband and I were in the car, we're driving along, we had to drive north for a few hours and pick up some product for our business. And I suddenly realized, um, I I was kind of thinking through what was happening in my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I looked at my husband, I said, well, basically, this is impossible. (laughs) I said, what we're in the middle of is impossible. There's no way this could be happening. Who are we? to be in this story. And as we began to rehearse back to how we got to that moment and and where we are, uh, it was really funny, Tricia, because it was your book, Walking It Out, Mm. that opened a door that opened another door and opened another door and opened another door. But it was something you had written in there. And so that's why I reached out to you, because I was just in awe of how God, who does do the impossible, and how he uses really plain and and normal people, people who don't have any power on their own. They're not wealthy or famous or powerful or whatever. He uses people like you and me to impact the world. And so, that's 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 the the teaser you know that's how we start this whole thing so if i can go back to um just just in one moment one sentence to say back in 1999 my husband and i and our three children went to new zealand to do a youth with a mission discipleship training course and in doing that um, we went to New Zealand, not because we had money, but because the Lord opened a door and we were able to go. And that was the right time of the year for us uh, with the kind of work we do in homeschool uh-huh. uh, ministry things. Uh, but it was in that process that we were surrounded by Native people, the Maori people who were our brothers and sisters. And we met people from Europe and Africa, Asia and all these places. And and our worship together was oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was, oh my goodness. And we said, Lord, we yearn to see. We've read in the book of Revelation, right? <laughs> that at, around the throne, there'll be people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And we said, Lord, we're experiencing a taste of this here in New Zealand. We want to be a part of this in the United States. We want to be part of what you're doing in the United States. And then we came back and there, where we were living, there just, there wasn't really Mm -hmm. that connection. And so that's, that's, you know, back there. And then in 2017, I got your book, you sent me your book. And uh, I was reading through and I began to read about the church you were attending in uh, Arkansas and Little Rock, and the whole idea of the diversity, mm-hmm. and the diversity in the congregation and in the leadership and, and just the amazing things that were God, God was doing. And again, it stirred up my heart, the way it had been stirred when we were in New Zealand in 1999. And I went, Oh, Lord, I long for this. But where we were living at that point in time was in a small rural town in Indiana. And there really, I I didn't see how to 
<laughs> there was no mosaic church, right? right. I, I didn't know how to do that. And I went, Lord, but he had stirred this thing up. Well, then that was in the fall, I believe, of 2017. Then in the spring of 2018, so six months later, we were at a homeschool convention and uh, a woman came up and began to look at our products and she got real excited uh, because I have world history products. And she said, oh, and she asked my husband, she said, do you think Diana would teach at our school? And he said, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> but, uh, but they were located in Indianapolis. And she said, oh, can I talk to her? So he pointed me out and she came over and we started talking. We talked for a long time. And um, she ended up saying, Diana, will you do this? And I was so struck with what the offer was. It connected in with something else the Lord had really talked with us about back in uh, 1999 and 2000 in New Zealand. And I said, oh my goodness. Um, Well, my husband and I have to pray. And we prayed and she came with another person. We talked, but they said, okay. And we said, okay. After much prayer, we said, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to move to Indianapolis. So we got to Indianapolis, which we went from our little rural town to the big city. And uh, this woman at who was an administrator at the school said, well, what kind of church are you looking for? And what came out of my mouth? <laughs> this is this is your influence here. <laughs> oh, came, I love this. <laughs> uh, what came out of my mouth was, well, we want a church where there's diverse leadership mm. and diversity in the church. And she looked right at us and she said, John Wesley Free Methodist Church. And I looked at her, I said, what? <laughs> and she she said, yeah. She said, uh, a couple of our board members go there, and there's an African-American pastor and a number of internationals at the church, and it's quite diverse. And I went, oh. And my husband said, oh, <laughs> in a lower voice, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when we moved that, that first Sunday, it was Mother's Day 2018, we, uh, we went to that church. And Trisha, it was like we had come home. Mm. It was, it was the richness, the the connection, yeah. the you know the the depth that is possible when people who come from different backgrounds all worship the same God, and he he weaves us into a body locally and you just go i this is so wonderful lord thank you so when we walked into the church there are a couple of little connections here i want to make for you the first person we met was uh this smiling young man who welcomed us into the church, into the sanctuary. And I recognized that he had quite an accent. Mm. And I said, oh, where are you from? And he was from, he said, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I went, wow. Because, (laughs) all right, here's another connection. Back in 1978, I'd been in Belgium and I with a ministry, and I had met a young man from Zaire, and Zaire became the Democratic Republic of Congo. So I'd met a young man who was French speaking back at that point in time in 1978. So I was so excited, and you can already tell I get excited. So <laughs> this, this young man, Laurent, we just talked for when I say young, he's in his 30s. You know, I'm I'm in my 60s. That's young. So That's young. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, thank you. Um, but he, we just had such a wonderful talk. Well, then I found out his family was there, his his mother and his father. And we met his mom and dad. 
son is his uh, dad is his name is Isaac, and that's my oldest son's name. And it's like, oh, Isaac, we have our son is Isaac, and there was just all this wonderful stuff. And his wife's name is Esther, and we just we just bonded. I invited their whole family over to our house for a meal. We had lots of Africans in my small house, you know, and we put up some extra tables and, you know, we all just kind of crammed in to just be together. Mm. And it was so rich and wonderful. And, and it, and we also had our African American pastor, Pastor Kenny, and that was so wonderful too. It's like all this wonderful richness. Well, <laughs> That wasn't the only thing that happened. Um, God began to connect in that the African, um, there were several African immigrants and refugees in our church, in John Wesley Free Methodist Church. And before Christmas, the idea in a conversation in a, in a group setting like a Bible study came up that African Christians celebrate Christmas in a much different way than Americans. And they were talking about what they did and we were all going, wow. And suddenly the idea came up that they should go ahead and advertise that they were having an African Christmas on Christmas Day. I'm like getting goosebumps as I was listening to this story. It's so cool. I know. It's amazing. And and so as they held that Christmas service, more than 200 Africans living in Indianapolis came to the service. Now, I have to say that John Wesley had... I think six or seven or eight African immigrants coming. So the leadership of the church was going, where did all these people come from? (laughs) What's going on? And so the, what they suggested to Pastor Isaac, the African pastor, they said, Pastor Isaac, you need to start a second service and let's open it up to Africans. And it can be, you know, Swahili and French and English Mm. and all that. And, and so he thought it would be like in six months or a year, but they said, no, why, why wait? And so in January, they started this a second service that was specifically welcoming Africans. Well, Pastor Isaac invited my husband and I, which again, we have this personal relationship. We love them dearly. And they invited us to come. And so, and that way they were inviting everybody at, at the church. Hey, come, you're all welcome. Uh, but when we went that uh, that first time that we went, there was no one running sound at the sound mm-hmm. booth. So my husband, who ran sound occasionally at John Wesley, he just jumped in there and started doing it. Well, that turned out to be helpful. So we just went every week at for the second service. We went to first service and we went to second service. So we were there from sometimes nine and sometimes 10 in the morning all the way to three or four in the afternoon <laughs> every Sunday. And that went on for months. And it was so wonderful. A little exhausting. Sundays were a little tiring, but so wonderful. And then I I couldn't believe it because the admin the 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 leaders in the John Wesley, in dialoguing with Pastor Isaac and some other African pastors in our church, said, you know, we really think you need to become a separate church, Mm. an individual church separate from John Wesley. And I was shocked. And I can I say I was kind of horrified. It's like, no, no, don't break up the band. You know, what's going on? But what was pointed out to me was that 
because we were dealing with specific needs of immigrants and refugees and people who needed to learn how to drive and needed to learn English as a second language and had very specific needs that were not common in the the other church, John Wesley, that by separating it would allow the leadership of the African church to really focus on meeting the needs of the Africans. And so that was all fine. And it was like, okay, well, praise the Lord, we'll show up at times for the African church. This is great. Okay. (laughs) And then (laughs) a week before they had the service to uh, launch the new church, and it was a big deal. They had, you know, various uh, uh, people, the superintendent from the Free Methodist Church in our area there, and they were having founding members and all this stuff. Pastor Isaac pulled me over to the side and he said, Diana, I I would like to ask that you and Bill become founding members of the church. (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, but we don't speak Swahili. You know, I mean, see, here's the deal. The At times, the person speaking from the platform is speaking English, Mm -hmm. but most of the time they're speaking Swahili or a different language, and there's an interpreter, and the interpreter will speak in English. But it's, you know, it's many of the people don't speak English in the church, and I'm just looking at him like, are are you serious? And he said, yes. He said, and I want you and Bill to be on our board of directors, and I went, or our board of administration, and I went, what? He said, I'd like you to be the secretary of the board. I said, I've never done that. I don't even know. He said, Diana, it's not hard. He said, but you're a writer. Mm. You you and and all of our documents need to be in English. And this is a skill that you have. And you, you and Bill have been here every week. You are part of what we're doing. Would you join us? And it was like, oh, my goodness. And there... I don't know how to express. I think you probably get it that it was really there. There, I, there was this sense of, oh no! I mean, we want to be a part of them, but we're part of John Wesley, and right. oh dear, how is this going to work? And we spoke with our beloved pastor, Pastor Kenny, and he was so gracious, and he said, "If this is what the Lord is doing, we." We gladly give you to this work that God is doing at Lifeway, Indianapolis. He said, you guys just follow Jesus and you have our blessing. And so my husband and I prayed and we had some more conversations and we felt like we have no idea what this means. We have no (laughs) idea what we're getting into. We don't know how to do any of this stuff, but okay. (laughs) And um, I mean, we really felt the Lord leading us, but it wasn't because we had this idea ourselves. We actually did not have this idea ourselves. It was presented to us in such a way that we really saw the hand of the Lord. And so we became founding members of an African immigrant (laughs) and refugee church. And you just go, I, I, I could never have tried to do that if I wanted to. You know, I don't speak the language. I've never been to Africa. All right. So to have this so far that this is like way outside of what we had planned, but the Lord was so clearly directing. And then as we as we were part, I mean, we had recognized this before we became members, that our African brothers and sisters, when they would pray, they... They didn't pray, you know, 
for a minute in a service. Mm. When, when it was someone's turn to pray, they would pray for five or 10 minutes and, and the whole congregation would begin to, to cry out to God. Not, it's not like in, in Korea or, or Russia or some other places that <laughs> where, you know, everybody prays from the very beginning, but it was like people would be so stirred and they'd be crying out to God for his, his help. And I was so struck. They were constantly saying, Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful to be alive today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I go, wow, you know, I never think of saying that, right? Thank you, Lord, that I'm alive today. And I saw such deep faith, faith that had overcome all the obstacles of having to flee their homes, of, uh, of, of, of emigrating into a new country where they didn't speak the language. Yeah. <laughs> Here I was in a place that I didn't speak the language, but I walk out the door and I speak the language, right? And I know the culture, but they had come in at a place where they didn't speak the language, they didn't know the culture, but God had opened a door and, and here they were. And uh, I've learned so much about following Jesus. I, I feel like that these people that God has set in our lives in this church and in the previous churches, but in this church, I'm learning from an African perspective what it is to trust Jesus through the heights and depths of, of life and, and, and loss and, and things that I can't even wrap my mind around, honestly. And so as part of that, you know, I'm just keep talking here, but as yeah, part I, of love, this, I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> um, as part of this, the prayers more and more began to come for something that was taking place in the Congo, in the eastern mm -hmm. part of the Congo. And they were crying out to God. I was hearing more and more because as the secretary of the board, I was privy to very specific information about uh, targeted burning of villages and, and killing of people and stealing of cattle and, and, and all this stuff. And it was targeted against one people group. And the people group is actually a people group that my pastor and several people in our church, not all, but several people in our church are part of this tribal group called the Banya Malenge. And, and, and so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And then things became even more extreme. And there was talk of genocide, like what happened in Rwanda. Right. And, and it's just, it's, it's like we, we can't even begin to comprehend, but I know the, the dramatic nature of that. I, I know about the Holocaust. I know about Rwanda, right? There's, there's, it's beyond what we can even comprehend, right? There's something unleashed, an evil unleashed that's just not business as usual. It's something far worse. And, and so I was praying one day. I mean, the, the things that were coming to me uh, through uh, people sharing with me, it was so you know, what do you do with that kind of burden? What do you do with that kind of hopelessness? And the people in the um, in this area in the Congo, there's about 150,000 of them. They had so many of their villages, over 200 of their villages were burned. Most of the cattle have, if not all, have been stolen uh, or killed by this point. And they were put into or herded, or they fled into three internal displacement camps inside of the Congo, where they have 
very little protection from those who are trying to kill them, and they have very little food. So I was crying out to God <laughs> at home. I was praying and I was seeking the Lord, going, "Oh God!" And what do you know? You know what that is when you know of a need, yeah. when you know yeah. of a brokenness, and you have no power to do anything except to pray and cry out to God, which is power with God. But it. You know, you don't really see the results of it, right? Um, but you just trust him that he's working on on that situation. Well, something dropped into my heart one day, and I went, "What?" And it was a reminder. This was something I um, I couldn't even believe. Even as I say it, I just go, "Oh, I can't even believe this." But the Lord reminded me that I know someone, someone who is friends with some folks that are very high in the U.S. government. Mm. And the thought that dropped into my heart, Trisha, was that I could go to my friend and I could lay this before him and say, would you, would you help open a door that the voice of these people, this small tribe, could be heard in Washington. Mm -hmm. There are about 15,000 of the Banyamalenge uh, in the United States. So we're talking a very small, small voice. And the the thought wouldn't go away. It wouldn't go away. Mm -hmm. And I tried to push it away because I thought, Lord, I'm, I'm going to ask my friend to do something. He doesn't let people know that he has these connections. It's very, very seldom that he mentions it. He doesn't trade on it. He doesn't broadcast it. It's not, it's just something that I kind of found out. We're good friends. I kind of found out. Right. And, and I thought I'm going to ask him to do something that's potentially very uncomfortable for him. And I'm going to use my friendship to try to open a door. And, and I, it was hard. So, but I finally said, okay, Lord, because <laughs> it wouldn't go away. Yeah. So I asked our pastor, I said, well, I, there, there may be a door. And he said, oh, Diana, yes, please. And he told me that, I think that was in April, that there was um, actually a, there had been some very specific words spoken about genocide during um, a killing of several people. And threats of genocide to to the folks that were around. And so the need was, I mean, it just keeps escalating and escalating mm-hmm. and escalating. It's 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 poised on the brink of a cliff where, you know, something has to happen. And our pastor told me, he said, Diana, we have there have been many, many of our people that have reached out, that have sent letters to the US government and sent letters to the UN, and we have tried and we have tried and we've tried and no one is listening. And I thought, oh, Jesus, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. So I wrote my friend an email and I laid before him the situation. I sent some documentation. I said, will you open this door um, for our pastor to talk? And um, he said, absolutely, wrote back right away, said, absolutely, Diane, I'll do everything in my power. Because I said, this is the potential of genocide and it's real. And so uh, he uh, got back to me and he said, Diana, write a letter write a letter and explain what it is you are saying and what it is you want. And I went, oh my 
goodness. All right. So now I have to write a letter. (laughs) And this letter is on this letter may ride, you know, some decisions about whether these people are listened to or not. Oh, no, no pressure. So I, I struggled with the Lord. I just went, Oh, God, how do I do this? And then the Lord began to give me some real clarity of what to say. And I basically, let's see if I can uh, quote it here. Um, I basically said from Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9, open your mouth for the speechless mm-hmm. in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. And I sent the letter and some documentation, and my friend assured me that it would be hand-delivered to his friend who is in a position of power in the government of the United States. And then we waited. And I agonized because I didn't hear anything for a while. I was going, oh, no, oh, no. But mind you, COVID-19 was happening. Yeah, there's a little bit going on. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. And our whole country is up in arms. And there's protesting and there's brokenness. And in the meantime, I'm crying out going, but God, there are these people. God, (laughs) help, Lord. And and again, it, it was... It was just kind of laying before the Lord, constantly going, God, this is on behalf of these people. Lord, open a door. And then I got a call. Diana, the door is open. The the official welcomes the conversation oh, wow. with a Banya Malenge pastor. And it was my pastor and another pastor and then a doctor of pharmacy. Um, and I, I was going, great. I wrote the letter. I made the introduction. Great. And I was talking to my pastor and he said, Diana, we want you to continue to be the contact person because you're American. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know the culture. You There are things that you see that that we wouldn't necessarily see. And I went, oh, Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of, I said, if you want me to be part of this, I can. And he said, oh yes, we do want you to be part of this still. So I was, I was in on the phone call. I was in on the phone call where three people who are from that culture, from that country, have people, family, friends on the ground who are experiencing these things. They poured out their hearts. Mm. They told their story to someone who is in a high enough position that they can make a difference, that that there's the possibility of diplomatic uh, work and a process going on. And things began to move and things began to happen, Tricia. And we were going, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you have done this. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was two weeks ago when I had suddenly the memory that it was your book and I went, oh my gosh. And and then I was, uh, the next day, I was, because I'd sort of forgotten, but the next day I was on my computer, as I often am, and something came across my desk in social media, and it was you. And I went, oh my gosh, I have to send you a, an email. And so I did. And, and so here we are. And what I'm really excited about is that there's not only the need for diplomatic involvement, and that is taking place. There are things happening at that level, but there's also the need for humanitarian assistance Mm -hmm. as these people are 
literally children are now starving to death. The women are growing weaker and weaker. The elderly, there's there's almost no food in these camps. And they where they're located, there are no roads. Things have to be flown in. And, um, you know, they're farmers and they have cows, but they can't go to their fields and the, the cows have been stolen, so they have no food. Wow. And and even when they try to go, I mean, there have been people who've tried to go to their fields one or two kilometers away, and they've been killed by the rebels that surround these displacement camps. So they have, they have really nothing. Um, so people here in the United States that are from that area, they've been sending money, sending money, sending money. Our church has sent money, has sent money. Um, the Free Methodist Church has sent money, has sent money. Um, but it's just a drop in the bucket because right. there's about 150,000 people and that's that's a that's a big need. And so my heart, as you opened this door, my friend, <laughs> I thought, well, Lord, if the humanitarian assistance is something that we could share yep. among many people, then it becomes possible in a way that um, has been beyond what's been possible. So... That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> and it, oh, so, so many things I want to talk about, but just God will always take us out of our comfort zone. That's, that's the oh, first thing. He will yes. always take us out of our comfort zone. And you can see that over and over and over again. And I remember the first time we were going to a, a Southern Baptist church in Montana. There's no diversity. Um, well, hardly any diversity. And the, the thing that struck me was Henry Blackaby and his experiencing God said, if there's someone in your congregation from a different country, pray and ask God what you can do for that person and that country. It's like, this is an invitation if there's someone in your congregation. And, you know, we reached out to the Czech Republic and we did mission trips. Now my daughter's yeah. a full-time missionary there. Um, yeah. You know, it's just like God, that, that little seed. And then the little seed that God put in your heart. Yes. Um, just these, these international, and I totally agree. When yes. you get with a group of people that are worshiping God in different languages from different cultures, it is, it is like a taste of heaven. It and is. I remember the first time in Prague, I was there with some friends. We were just traveling and went to an international church. And I just thought, like, this is the closest I've ever felt to heaven to hear people praising in different languages. But then, you know, I mean, I've written about the Holocaust, you know, hardships. And, you know, so many times you think, well, I would have done something. But now we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to know that there is a people out there that need our help, that need our support, need our money to, you know, buy, like you said, just food. Like they need food. And um, as soon as you said, can we share this? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We need to share this yes. on the podcast. Yes. And I'll continue on social media and encourage our friends yes. to share this because this is yes. our chance. Um, and, and yes. So many times, you know, we're in a pandemic. But we still have our homes and we still have food and we still have toilet paper and we still have <laughs> things we, you know, we think we're, you know, I mean, we're struggling, which there's a lot of people going through a lot of hardship. But in comparison to people that have nothing that are praying just for food for tomorrow and um, that just grips my heart. So I am so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for all the steps of faith that you've taken out and oh. just following God's word and doing what he said and giving a voice and being there to support your friends. And that's truly, I love friendships that are built on these, these levels. It's truly heart friendships. And I love that you are being a voice for your friends and 
So I know everyone's like, okay, what can, what can we do? How can we help? So um, we'll make sure and have all the links in the show notes. But just let's talk a little bit about just the practicality of how we here in our homes in the United States can support not only, you know, with, with finances and prayer, but how can we support this people? You know, I think one of the things that I've heard over and over again is that because of all the things that are happening in the world, that this little corner of the Congo and this threat of genocide is very little known mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. public. Um, it's on Genocide Watch, you know, so they're aware of it. There, there are constant letters to the UN and all that, and there's all that stuff going on. But I think most of us don't have any idea that this is happening. Right. Yeah. So if if people were to say, I want to share with my friends mm-hmm. at our church and on social media, but but not if they share on social media, the point is to pray. Mm-hmm. The point mm-hmm. is to to give, to be aware, to be a voice, to love. This is love in action. This is compassion in action. And I'm not talking about the politics of right. what goes on. That's not part of this conversation at all. We just want to serve those people, those those children and those women and the elderly and the men who cannot even get to their fields. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just to share with if each one listening here that was stirred by this shared with their church and shared with their social media, let us pray for this people group in, in Congo and what they're experiencing. What do you suppose the outcome of this might be? Yeah. Trisha? I think we stand on the verge of seeing God do something beyond what we can even imagine. There's hope that these people, that they, that peace can come to this region, that people can lay down their arms and peace be restored, and these people return to their villages and rebuild their homes and rebuild their lives and and get some more cows. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like it's it's there's hope. So I think we want to pray for provision, for protection for these people, for peace in the region, and for hope that at some point, at some day, that their lives can be rebuilt. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. This is our moment. We were not alive after the Holocaust. We were not alive right after World War II. I mean, there might be some people listening that were. Yeah. <laughs> my my mom was alive, um, <clears throat> but you and I weren't. Um, but this is that opportunity as we learn of it that we can really make a difference. So... Absolutely. And I mean, God so clearly opens the doors so we might be aware, you know, I mean, he just, he made you aware and then you connect with me and it's like, okay, let's talk about this. It's like God wants us to know. He wants us to care. He wants us to have compassion. And and like you said, God's heart is to the, you know, for those who are in need, who are poor, who are hungry, who need clothes, who need um, just, just help. And, um, you know, just 
just even as I was reading this morning about just generosity in my own Bible and one of my daughters, especially, um, she's our, one of our adopted daughters. She has such a heart for seeing someone in need. And so we could be driving and all of a sudden she's like, Oh my goodness, we need to go help that person. (laughs) And, you know, in front of our church, there was a homeless woman, um, with a huge gaping wound in her arm. And, you know, I'm like, okay, let's walk clear around. And my daughter, who was probably 15 at the time, brought the woman into our church, went and found first aid, cleansed her wound. And she just has such a heart. And I was actually writing a note in the Bible for my daughter, um, just telling her how I just appreciate that and she's teaching me how to be generous and how to be compassionate because she you know yes. was, an or- was an orphan for so many years and people oh. served her and so I was just this morning in my prayer time in my bible time thinking of that and this is an, again an opportunity for us to have those eyes like my daughter who there can be a hundred people there my daughter will spot the one that needs help and yes. there are there's so many news items and so much going on but I pray that each of us now will have our eyes open and our, our lips moving in prayer and just be compassionate to those now that we are aware, be compassionate to those who need us during this time. And it's, um, I just love how God has just made it so clear that he wants this people to be cared for just in the, in the series yes. of events. <laughs> it's just yes. like, it's no coincidence. Yes. it It's just breathtaking, isn't it? I, and we could not... Again, I want to go back to what I'd said earlier. It's not because any of us have great power or great mm-hmm, fame or mm-hmm. great wealth or any of those things. I mean, none of that. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for people with hearts who will love mm-hmm. and who will care. And each of us can do that part. Each of us can give love in in the the measure and the way the Lord leads us, that's what we can do. And I so appreciate your heart, Trisha. I so appreciate um, that you have walked out a walk with God where you pay attention to mm-hmm. God's nudges and and out of that you wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> and, and out of that the Lord went, hey Diana, look at this part. And I went, oh my gosh. And so that's what God wants to do. And who knows what he's going to do from this podcast in someone else's life, right? Yeah. Yes. God wants to nudge them. So Absolutely. And I always think of heaven. We're going to be telling each other all these stories. Oh my <laughs> like, and then this and then that. And then God yes. connected this. And then you helped here and you didn't even know. I mean, I just yes. think uh, we're just going to need so much time just to share all the stories of the little <sighs> things that the little things we do that we think, you know, go unnoticed that God's like, wait, I use that in a bigger way. I use that to give voice to someone or to, you know, encourage someone. And I, I just love it's going to be amazing. It is. It is going to be amazing. I think that's the thing that people sometimes misunderstand what heaven is -hmm. going to be like. They picture the harps, you know, on the cloud. (laughs) And they go, oh, no, no, we're going to just, we're going to hear stories. And I don't know what else is going to go on, but it's going to be like this all all, for a long time. We all have so much that when we start to see what God has done, we're going to be so blown away. And I love that we got to see a little bit of this, just a little bit of what he's doing. So yeah, absolutely. And when my daughter went to college here in Little Rock, um, there's so many international students and there's actually a program that was through our church called Bridge to Rwanda. And they were helping a lot um, of young men, bringing them over for college. And so that's that became a core group of her friends. And so 
when she was here in college every day we'd have these young men and a group of friends from all over from Rwanda and they would be over our house and eating dinner and all these it's just like it it just means so much you know you hear these stories but to have people in your house like you and around your table uh, it just makes all the difference and so as even as you're telling your stories I'm thinking of the young men that were in our home and my daughter's best friend lives in Rwanda now she married one of the young men and and my daughter lives in the Czech Republic she married a Czech and you know when we open our our heart to the world god does amazing things and he i just does. love it i just love it so uh, yes. i want to make sure we get the information for those that are like okay i want to help i want to pray so we will put links in the show notes um and just where can also can we go to to pray and to support and to help well you know we are uh, our church lifeway Indianapolis Free Methodist Church is a church of all these different African nations, the immigrants and refugees. And because this is all happening, like through my pastor and all, what we talked about is we'll have a, a web page on our website that will really give information about uh, this okay. so people will know how to pray. There will be a place if they want to give. Um, the, the giving mechanism through our church, which is a 501c3, is that any money that was given would go directly to uh, the people on the ground in the Congo that can buy the food um, and distribute it to the people like they're in the right places. Um, and it's it's all it's very much connected through the Free Methodist Church, but it it will the um, anyone who's in need in that area is primarily the Bani Malenge, but uh, it doesn't they don't have to be free Methodists and they don't have to be Bani Malenge, but if they're in that area and they are starving, they would get the food would be accessible for them. And so that's what I have right now. If you and I want to, you know, kind of come up with more ideas of where people could give, uh, that would be great. But but this oh, well, is all- I think that's perfect. I think that's perfect. Okay. I mean, get that right where people need it. And so we'll make sure we'll have all the links in the show notes at walkitoutpodcast.com um, and we'll get them over to your church where they can help the people that are on the ground um, yes. to serve those in need. And I think that's, you know, I mean, we can't fly to the Congo tomorrow, but we can right. give to people who are on the ground who can make a difference. Yes. Um, and that's so, and I'm, I'm so yes. excited because sometimes my kids, sometimes my kids listen to this too, and we're going to pray together at <laughs> the family and figure out what we can do too. And I think that's important. You know, think about friends, like you said, friends or churches or your children. Um, And, uh, you know, kids, they have such compassionate hearts. And this can be so important, just at an important time, even when there's scary stuff in the world that we can each make a difference today. Yes. And I think just for a final thought on that is that, you know, sometimes there are situations that just kind of go on and on and on, like a mm-hmm. like a drought situation and famine, and you, we get weary. Sometimes we go, oh well, how much more do I have to give, and how long is this going to last, or whatever. But I wanted to say that that things have escalated to such a degree; they're so dangerous right now for this people. Um, that they literally are beginning to starve to death mm-hmm. because they're surrounded by militia uh, who won't let them out of the camps, that they lose their life if they try to go work in their field. And so it is very, 
very, uh, the timing is very important right here. This is an immediate need. Um, so I just wanted to say that, that, you know, I'm not sure how long that will be at that point. The diplomacy is in progress. There are things moving, but we don't know how long it will take. Um, but these people, uh, they're running out of time. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get this out there and I know everyone will be praying and doing what they can. But thank you, Diana, so much for sharing your story, um, sharing your heart. And um, can you just close us in prayer right now? I would love to. And I want to say thank you to Tricia. Thank you for welcoming me and this story to your podcast. Lord Jesus, we stand in awe Mm-hmm. of who you are. Lord, we think that <laughs> that we understand, we, we read the Gospels, we read about your death on the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, and we go, wow, and we, we give our hearts to you and we follow you and we go, wow. But Lord, I think we have no idea how intimately you are involved in all of these places in the earth, in every person's life, and how deeply your heart reaches out and yearns over different situations taking place in lives and in nations. And Father, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you will move powerfully on behalf of this situation in the Eastern Congo, that, Lord, you would protect the people from genocide, Lord, that you would Mm -hmm. provide for them that they not starve to death, because that is another form of genocide. Lord, we pray for peace in this region that uh, you will so work among the various players and among the various governments, that there would be a way, a pathway toward peace, and that there would be something new, that there would become a place of peace in this region, in this beautiful, beautiful region. Father, we ask that you would do what none of us could do, what no government can do, what no no one person and no organization can do. Lord, you are the one. We ask you to take all of us, all of your people, all of your children, use us, and then go way beyond us to accomplish those things that are impossible. And we thank you for this. And we will remember that it was you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I am so, I mean, I have tears in my eyes just thinking about just this path that God did and how he just connected us. And um, yes. I just, God is so amazing. So I am so he excited. Is. I'm so excited about this and, and what God is going to do. And we have faith that he is going to do amazing things. And we get to be part of that story. Um as we step out and walk out what he is asking us to do. Well, Diana, thank you so much for being here today. Um, you are I, so welcome. <laughs> I am so blessed. Did you just completely bless my day? <laughs> just, just hearing your story. Um, and we will have all the links and all the show notes. So make sure you go to walkoutpodcast.com and you will get the information. But thank you, Diana, so much. Thank you. Okay, friends, there are very few times when I feel completely overwhelmed, but this is one of those moments. Um, 
Just to hear Diana's story and how even God used my book, Walk It Out, in a small part to just put that desire or that reminder in her heart for a diverse leadership, a diverse uh, congregation, Um, and then the series of events that led to that, it just overwhelms me with God's goodness. And I think so many times... You know, it's just the dailiness of life. And as I mentioned, you know, homeschooling is daily. It's sitting down and working with math facts and reading stories and doing Bible lessons. And, you know, even writing is the dailiness of, okay, there's book deadlines and, you know, trying to be inspirational, but also I'm really tired and I just wanted to go take a nap. And, you know, the dailiness of kids and laundry and doctor's appointments and therapy appointments, all the things. Things. Um, and I'm just so thankful that God has these reminders that those words, the messages, the, the things he puts on my heart, they do make a difference. And that someone out there, in this case, Diana, would read my words and it would stir something in her. And then in turn, um, through a series of events, you know, lead her to this African congregation and the needs of a people in the Congo. And that's the amazing thing about God and the way he works. And I mentioned, you know, being in Prague for the first time, just on vacation with friends. And we ended up going to an international church. And I remember being there and they opened up to prayer and someone would pray in English and someone would stand and pray in Japanese and in, um, you know, French and all, all these different languages and just being so amazed that God understood it all and that we were all there together from all these different countries, um, but with the same hearts. And the more I'm able to step out of the American culture and visit other countries and see what people experience, what they face, my heart is just so tender to what God is doing and to the needs of others. And I love how, you know, even as Diana emailed me just to tell me about, um, her reading the book, how that led to this interview and now how it has led to you listening and you hearing of the need and, you know, your prayers going up for this people. The walk it out verse of the week is um, the one Diana mentioned, Proverbs 31, eight through nine, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. And just like I was at home working on my computer, writing the words that became walk it out. And just as Diana is in her home, remembering that she knew someone that knew someone (laughs) in DC um, and she wrote the words and she's speaking, you know, she's shared today her story. All of us right where we are can make a difference. And um, I know today, I just encourage you to pray for the people in the Congo, this, this people that just are facing so many hardships right now. I pray for Diana and her church and these African pastors that are they're having a voice and that are getting the opportunity to share. Um, and each of us today, we can pray and ask God how we can make a difference. And like I mentioned when I was talking to Diana, um, when we ask God to break our heart with the things that break his, he will show us a need every single time. He will definitely bring someone into our path. He will stir our hearts Maybe you're listening to a podcast, maybe you'll read something online, but he will stir our hearts toward a need. That's a 
prayer he always answers. If you say, Lord, who can I help today? Who can I serve today? And the fact that you're listening to this podcast, he has um, shown you a need. So please, please pray. And if you can do more, if you can give, if you can encourage your friends, your family, um, again, the, the links will be at walkitoutpodcast.com. Look for the episode with Diana Warren. And we will together even very, very small things that we can do will make a difference as we do it together, as we pray together, and as we um, lift up this people, that God will um, move on their behalf and that we will have a part of that. And that's the amazing thing that God asks us to join him. He wants us to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. He wants us to do our part and that, um, of course, he will get the glory in all of it. Well, friends, um, let me just pray right now. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for Diana. I thank you for the journey that you've taken her on and the seeds that you planted years ago. She mentioned, um, you know, years and years ago, 99 in New Zealand and and other times um, that you put these seeds that again, would lead to where she is now and what she is doing now. And I'm sure years ago, if you would have told her that she would be involved in this, she wouldn't have believed it. But when we take these steps of faith and we follow you, it's amazing where you lead us, Lord. And I just thank you for her and her husband for taking these steps of faith, for following through in what you are asking um, them to do. I thank you so much that um, my words in a small way were able to encourage her. And I just I just love that. Just in, just encourages me so much. I pray for this people, Lord. I pray for food and for protection and for health. And my heart is just so heavy thinking of the mothers and the fathers who just want food for their children and food for their parents. And um, Lord, be with them. I pray that many, many, many hearts will be stirred in their name and for their cause, um, and that you may receive the glory. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friend, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. I pray, like, if you have never shared a podcast, share this one. Please share it with your pastors, women's groups, friends. Um, Let people know that they can help, then they can pray. So please, please, please share this podcast because um, this is important and we can make a difference together. But thank you so much for tuning in again. um, You could always find my book, Walk It Out at christianbook.com or on amazon.com, any of those online stores. And really it is just my steps of faith that God, when he stirred something in my heart, daring to to trust him and have faith that he will make a difference. And it's so amazing to see that even the ways I thought, okay, this is just a story, how those stories can impact others. So, so cool. Um, But friend, thank you so much for tuning in and please share this and let others know of this need. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.